Hi, I'm your host, Tom DeSavia. Join me as I interview guests for music and entertainment from around the world about what they're up to right now. Stay tuned, because we're gone in 30 minutes. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Gone in 30 Minutes. Uh, very excited. Our first guest from the theater world. And we're thrilled to have Tom Kitt, uh, composer, lyricist, songwriter, dancer, acrobat. <laughs> many, many things. Well, first off, I want to thank you. I don't know if I've said your name, Tom Kitt. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. And I want to start off with a couple of things. But first off, congratulations on a Tony nom uh, for Orchestrator on Jagged Little Pill. The Alanis Morissette Broadway adaptation and the cast album got yeah. a Grammy nomination. Grammy nomination, yes. Congratulations, my friend. That's awesome. Um, so I want to get more into awards in a second, but we always start the show. What are you up to right now? Where are you at? You're back east, yeah? I am uh, in New York City. Uh, we've been here pretty much since um, the lockdown in March. Uh, we got away uh, for part of the summer, uh, but but we're here, and um, my kids are in school, uh, which has been um, just uh, wonderful for for everyone, for them to be able to see friends and have some routine, and and also for me and my wife Rita, um, it just makes such a big difference when uh, you see community, you are able to walk around New York um, in just a different way. Um, to, that there's some normalcy, and certainly nothing is normal right now. But um, I just found that that when the fall started and 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 there was school, uh, it really lifted my spirits from when we were here in the spring, and it was just very very uh, empty and um, and just difficult. We're having sort of the opposite right now in LA, unfortunately. But I know I've been talking to my friends in New York and said like, New Yorkers are just so behaved right now. They're like, everyone is neurotic and behaved, which is how it should be. And it's like, but everyone is just being so conscious because it is so great that your kids get to re-enter society. Well, I, th I think oh, yeah. certainly for me, having, having gone through it in the spring and it was really, really, really challenging. Um, uh, certainly uh, it's, it's, it's unsettling to see numbers going up and from, from where they were in the summer and the early part of the fall. But um, I guess for me, because I've, 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 this is now nine months, 10 months. Yeah. Um, and, and I also find the fall just to be, um, I don't know, a, an optimistic time. I like the, I like the leaves changing and the weather. And um, so, so, so I feel differently, um, even though again, it's, it's, it's very hard, especially getting three children through this. Um, it's been quite challenging for my wife and I and all the uncertainty with, with our business um, you know, going on the, the ninth, tenth month of the lockdown and no theater, um, but at least um, we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And 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 these uh, these scientists, it's just miraculous what they've been able to accomplish in record time. We are all so indebted to the incredible work that they've been doing for us to even see the possibility of, of things starting to open again soon. Well, and I, I want to riff on something you just said because a lot of our viewers or a lot of the people I know watch show are our fellow artists, composers, writers, performers. And one of the things I like to bring the community together, the, the global community, is to talk about how you're dealing with this. I mean, this, you know, this upended your world in a way that has never happened in modern times. I mean, with, with theater shut down, how have you uh, been dealing with it creatively as an artist? Have you been 
have found a way to work through it? Did you find yourself just sitting there staring at your foot for six months? I mean, how was the process? That's that's what I did. So I assume everyone's did. Well, I, I I think for for all of us, probably when 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 we were faced with the reality, there was this optimistic feeling of of okay, if I'm going to have this, if I'm going to be locked in my um, living space. Uh, let me see if I can find some creativity. Let me see if I can take the time and work. And for me personally, that kind of went out the window quickly because creativity for me is so much a part of a positive, excited space, right? You 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 come up with an idea, no matter where that idea lives tonally, there's something that is just kinetic about the creative process and this and this exciting moment. And I just couldn't tap into that. Um, it just was hard to find that positive feeling to create. Um, and uh, it slowly started to happen. One of the things that sort of pulled me out of it, I wrote a song for my alma mater, Columbia um, University. I wrote, I wrote a song for their virtu virtual commencement that Ben Platt sang. And wow. for me to be able to write for uh, th that community, for an audience to, to channel what I was feeling into a song um, that I hope is going to speak to them and 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 pull them together wherever they are, because uh, I started to look at some of the Columbia songs that I sang that were written during um, challenging times, and I thought this is this is what the artist is doing. The artist wants to chronicle this moment and whatever we can to put hope and optimism and 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 to to hold a mirror up to what we're dealing with and say how are we going to learn from this? How are we going to come out of this stronger and better? I started to tap into that much more than my own sense of sadness and mourning and loss. Um, and then when I when 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 you start to then talk to your community and see everyone else starting to tap into that, and then all these important issues, the social awakening that's happening at the same time, um, it suddenly led me to creativity and urgent creativity. And one of the things that I started working on, uh, because this is such a, a huge moment, and I wanted to um, collaborate with fellow artists. Uh, I reached out to friends and said, let's write a song together. Send me something you're feeling. Send me something that, that, is, that is right now in your thoughts in a really um, vital and visceral way. And let's create a song together. And that's that spawned now a song cycle that I think I'm, I may record of, of, uh, of songs really born out of this moment. And because and, uh, I, I think for all of us artists, it's how do we address what we're feeling? How do we, how do we respond to, to, to what we're in right now? Um, and I just feel like that's going to happen the way that great theater for me has always happened, which is through collaboration um, and and, uh, and and sharing ideas and feelings. Well, and I, I love that phrase, I'm going to distill urgent creativity because that sort of has been the way a, a few people have said it. Like once a lot of folks I know I've talked to felt the tap had totally shut off. And then when it opened, it, it really opened because you had this, you're used to expressing yourself through art. And all of a sudden when the tap opens, it's this this floodgate. Did you find it was a different process for you? Did it feel different? It, it, it certainly felt a little different in the sense that I've been going uh, on multiple projects. I've really been, been, been working seven days a week um, for a long time. And I really love that. I love that in the spring I was at Lincoln Center and then I was running to the public and then I was running to the Broadhurst where Jagged Little Pill uh, was running. Um, and, and that really feeds into my overall creativity and, and uh, my process. And when that stopped, I had to say, okay, now I'm suddenly, it's a blank slate for me. And I have to, I mean, I've always been the, the person who decides my schedule, um, but 
but now I had to, I, I wasn't getting anything from anyone. I had to really make it all up and figure out how I was gonna, gonna be, um, how I was going to create. Even though I wanted to get back into projects that I, that I had been working on up to the shutdown, it was for a different reality. The reality of, of masks and social distancing um, is, is, is something that it took me a little bit to figure out how I write for the other reality that I've known my whole life, <laughs> which is not living in a pandemic. So I feel like what, what's been, been, been really wonderful for me is that I'm writing both in terms of uh, material that's coming out of this moment and speaks this moment. And then I'm also going into work that started before the pandemic and work that's come during the pandemic that not is not necessarily writing about this exact moment. But I just feel like because I'm an artist and I feed off of what's happening in the world, everything that I do from this point on is going to be um, is going to is going to be inspired and influenced by what has come out of this moment for me. Yeah, well, we, we you know I've said a lot with friends. You know, humans were not meant to spend this much time together and this much time apart. <laughs> you know, and it is it's literally this this thing that none of us could prepare for when we've had instances before. I was in New York. I got there on September tenth, you know, two thousand one. I was there for that. I've 9-11 just happened in New York. The world felt it. The world was empathetic towards it. It just happened in New York when my when my father passed away. My father passed away, just that. Not all my friends' father passed away. And to go through this thing with this collective global warming, mourning rather, has been both, you know, comforting in some ways as much as it's been tra tragic. Because you realize you're not alone. You realize you're not alone. Um... But I think that that we also are, as you said, we're all in different um, in different places going through this. And um, you know, there were some people, for example, when we were in New York, who who, who got right out. Right. Um, and um, and certainly there was part of me that that thought, uh, if I could, mm -hmm. uh, I would like to get somewhere where there's more space, where I don't have as much human contact, when we didn't know as much about how um, how it spread. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and, and, and so that was challenging. And certainly New York was the place in the spring where we were the epicenter. The, the slip you had where you were gonna say global warming, but you said global warming. I mean, that, that's part of all this though, because as, as we've been in this moment, we've seen, we've seen floods, we've seen hurricanes, we've seen fires. Um, it's, it, everyone has been dealing with, with extraordinary circumstances. Um, and as I look at my children, I wrote a musical called Superhero, which uh, was at second stage in, in 2019. Um, and the piece was written for my kids as a way to say, I, I fear as a parent, my inability to control the world for you and make it a safe place. But you have to believe that there are superheroes all around you. There are people who are going to rise up and, and you are going to, with them, figure out your way through the world. You can't be protected from everything but you have to believe in them. You have to believe that there are forces out there that are guiding you and looking out for you. And, and, and superhero has become, for me, much more potent in this moment. It basically is exactly what I was fearing and writing about in that piece. And I actually did a track by track synopsis of the album for Playbill. Uh, and I talked all about how I'm, I'm literally writing this synopsis in May of 2020 and how this piece, and there is a, there is a central theme in superhero about global warming sitting here watching all this happen as an artist, you think I have to write about this. I have to, I have to channel this in some way because um, it is the artists 
I feel like it's the artist's role, as I said, to, to put a mirror up to society and say, how do we learn from this? How do we become better people um, and make a better world for our children? So I feel like we've been getting a number of signs mm -hmm. uh, in the world that says we have to pay attention, we have to change the way we are operating. Yeah. Uh, and and it's frustrating to see that there are people who, who seem to get that and there are people that want to fight against that. And I, I feel like as an artist, I, I need to be part of that movement that says we have to acknowledge this and for our kids' livelihoods, um, we have to make sure that we, that, that we give them a better world than we are, um, than we've been in, that we're handing them a better world. Amen. And, and, and I think, and I will say with complete confidence and arrogance, there's more of us. <laughs> so, um, and that is just it. And it is, and it, when you look at any time through history, um, art has helped carry us through it both, as I always talk about, as an escapism, but also in raising our awareness. And I think that is something that absolutely is a responsibility and is something that people have to do now. Like, like even if you don't want to, it's going to come out. And one of the things that I, I, I was really proud of, um, I, I collaborated with my good friend, Michael McElroy, mm -hmm. uh, brilliant arranger, um, his wonderful chorus, the, the, the Broadway Inspirational Voices, otherwise known as BIV. They have a, a holiday concert actually coming up. And it's always a, a beautiful, beautiful tradition. Um, and, and Michael and I uh, joined a, an organization called NYC Next, which is about um, fighting for New York City and wanting to be part of the next New York City that's going to come out of this, a better, more equitable, um, and, and, and let's say equally vibrant and hopefully more vibrant city. Um, and uh, one of the things we did was we, we got the Broadway Inspirational Voices and um, some of our friends on Broadway to come and sing on the TKTS steps, um, Billy Porter, Michael, and um, James Sampleiner's beautiful arrangement of Sunday from Sunday in the Park with George. And it's one of my, it was a moment where we just sort of looked at each other and said, okay, we, we're feeling art again, we're gonna come back, but it's something we needed to do. We needed to gather and sing and show people that we are here, um, we are present and and we are fighting for um, for New York City. And as I said, for, for the more equitable New York City um, that we wanna see come out of this. Well, and it, it you, you just said it and it makes, it makes people feel less alone. Yep. And less isolated, it just does. And that's what the arts bring. Well, I, the, the good news and bad news about this show is we only got 30 minutes. And so there's so much I want to talk to you about. And so I want to I want to launch one of the things I would say, aside from being my first uh, person from the theatrical world appearing on the show, so thank you so much. You have won a, a Tony, an Emmy, a Drama Desk Award, and a Pulitzer. I've never met a Pulitzer winner before. <laughs> like, does that just make you, like, kind of feel like you win every argument? Is it like you're playing Pulitzer? I would pull that one out all the time. My first musical on Broadway ran for ten days. So <laughs> the thing that this that this business teaches you is is great humility and gratitude for everything that comes your way, and I mean that whether it ends up in a Pulitzer Prize or it ends up in a ten day run, I haven't had one experience in this business um, that hasn't brought me great joy and hasn't been an education. Um, and next to normal, even though it led to a Pulitzer Prize, that was a tough road that uh, Brian Yorkey and our uh, wonderful collaborators went went through uh, or went down to, uh, to to get to where that that ended up. And no one could have seen that coming. So um, it, it it was a, a a wonderful validation for the work that everybody did on that show. Um, and uh, what was great about it is that it's a very understated moment. You go to up to Low Library at Columbia. 
university and um, it's a luncheon, but there are no speeches. And you're coming uh, into contact with people from all around journalism and, and, and creativity, uh, classical music, literature. Um, it's just a room that, that, that's filled with, with people doing such important and inspired work. And, um, and, and you just feel lucky to, be, to belong there in that moment. So, um, but it's never anything that I would say, okay, everyone stop, I have something to say. Um, I, I, I think I'd wear it around my neck like Flavor Flav. I'd just be like, oh, by the way, by the way, whatever argument we're getting into and just hold the Pulitzer Prize up to him and say, yeah, this is, this is my. <laughs> I have plenty to learn. And I know that, that in this business, I, I'm, there's, it's gonna continue to be this. And, but I'm, I'm grateful for that because I, I, I want it to be hard, hard. Um, the hard is what makes it great. And I That's think I stole that and I want to know where I quoted that. <laughs> a movie or something that I've seen. We'll um, make a quiz, dear listener, whoever puts in comments where I that's from. in a league of their own. No, there you go. Boom. I <laughs> just lost my contest for our listeners. I was going to make it a contest, but now. <laughs> Pause it right before you said the answer. Well, I want to get into, because you've obviously been working uh, for quite a while in a variety of areas, but I'm really intrigued on some of your crossover, should we say, pop, popular music, pop culture work from Jagged Little Pill, you worked with Green Day, mm -hmm. American Idiot, mm -hmm. and the upcoming, um, which has already played Almost Famous, right, but was about to have a Broadway opening. Is that... Well, uh, nothing had been announced, but it was certainly uh, on the road. It was uh, headed to Broadway. That's everything I read. Headed to Broadway. Yeah, we so that that premiered a, a little uh, over a year ago at the Old Globe Theater in San Diego. Uh, it, it had a really nice tryout, um, and that has been uh, just such a wonderful experience for me because Cameron Crowe is is someone before I met him, who I revered and was such an in, important voice. Uh, in, in my life, and then to get to meet him, become friends with him, um, it's just meant everything. And uh, I was handed a pretty big job on that because I'm writing new songs with Cameron, as well as um, taking pre some pre-existing songs and adapting them for the musical and orchestrating. Um, so it, it was, it was, I basically had my fingerprints in, 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 in most of the music or all the music um, over the course of the evening. And that was really just a great gift because it's a, it's a period of music that uh, has really, really meant a lot to me. Um, it just felt very natural. I got to work also with my longtime collaborator, Anne-Marie Malazzo, who did the vocal design on, on the show and, and, and her work is just beautiful. I'll never forget the day that we heard the orchestra come together with the singers for the first time. And it was just a really special, magical day. And watching Cameron, who had never been through that process before, his eyes light up. Um, it really was one of my favorite moments. So, so yeah, almost famous. I love it. I love our cast. I love, I love our whole team. And, and I'm hoping that when things get up and going, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to it and know a little bit more about what the trajectory will be. I can't wait to hear more. I mean, it, it is uh, the first time I'm admitting this in the world. The only time in my life that I ever wrote a fan letter was to <laughs> Crow. After a friend of mine worked at DreamWorks and I went to a screening of Almost Famous when it was coming out, it was pre-credits. So it was like done, but they just would go. And I just, at the end of it, just sat there sobbing and wrote him probably the most ridiculous letter that anybody's ever written. He never wrote me back. <laughs> I just realized that. So maybe I should edit this part out. He's probably like that. Person. And uh, I really can't say enough. And I've gotten to know his family. And um, it's, 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 he, I now feel like he's part of my family. So uh, my kids love him. It's, it's very special. 
how is it taking something? Because I'm just mentioned three projects that are so burned into at least American culture with Jagged Little Pill, uh, American Idiot, Almost Famous, three very iconic uh, works that you're then handed to and say, help transform them. And obviously you were aware of all threes, of the existence of all three before oh, yeah. you got involved. It wasn't <laughs> like, oh, I never heard that Alanis Morissette album. You never heard, you, you knew these records in this, oh, yeah. this movie. Is that daunting? Is that, do you like that challenge? Were you terrified? Like it's absolutely daunting. It's <laughs> everyone, especially, uh, well, I would say for all three, everyone's gonna know your work. Right. Uh, so, uh, but, but I felt like uh, in all three cases, um, I understood the adaptation that was at the center of it. I, I, I came to it with my theater hat on and said, okay, this exists and it's brilliant and it's iconic um, and, and historical. And now how do I put my George Martin hat on and say, okay, if I'm gonna add some elements to it that are not going to take away from what's there, but are hopefully going to rise up to meet it and help it become this new form in musical theater, um, I'm gonna trust some instincts and, and sort of go slowly and see what it see what it brings. And luckily for me, um, the ideas came fast and furiously and they, and they, they seem to be on the right track because Green Day, Alanis, Cameron, um, were all really excited and and spoke about how the work felt fresh to them in that moment. Um, and it's not just about, well, how do I, uh, there's a new instrumentation, there's some new, some new parts to maybe add. It's also, once you start talking about a cast and you talk about um, vocal arrangements and different male, I mean, I mean, different um, voice types that are suddenly going to be taking on the songs. So um, splitting a song like, um, uh, 21 guns into three singers and three characters and so having to figure out how you modulate the keys um, uh, it's it's suddenly a puzzle that you have to figure out uh, and if you're thinking about it the right way it's going to bring on some some wonderful discoveries and uh, as I said luckily for me we all felt really excited by those discoveries my collaborators um, I also had had great teams to to, to work with and uh, and give me great feedback about. So it's nothing that you can do on your own. You can do the heavy lifting to get things started, but the music team, the, the designers, director, everybody weighs in and, and um, really helped me find my way. I remember, so, so I grew up on the West Coast, so I knew uh, theater really from the Sinatra versions of them or the random ant that would have a record. So I didn't really know theater that well, but then starting to work, um, in the business I was about 19, I came across a gentleman named Michael Kirker that I worked with for years. I don't know if you know Michael. Of course. Very, very good friend of mine. I got to work with him for many years. And I remember when American Idiot was coming out, and he as anyone is, he's he's very critical of Broadway. He wants everything to be great. And I remember when that was coming out, and I remember thinking, oh God, he's gonna hate this. <laughs> this is a punk rock band who's just made a Broadway musical. And I remember him just flipping out when he first went to go see it and just going like, they nailed it, this is amazing. And, but just that can't be an easy, easy task and it had to be such a daunting task, but to have not only it to be personally satisfying, but to see it so accepted by both audiences, which seems to be the case in all three uh, ones we just spoke about. Well, I, I think the key is theatricality. You need you need something that speaks of of, of theater and character and drama, um, and and all three of those stories are, are hugely dramatic. They have important emotional content, 
Um, and they allow you to really dream big about how something is going to feel, how it's going to look. Um, and 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 uh, and that's everything. When I, I remember when I, I, I had a dinner with my good friend Vivek Tuari, who's one of our lead producers on Jagged Little Pill, and he pitched me the idea, which I immediately said, yes, please, and let me know how, where to sign up. I went home and listened to the album again, and those characters just burst out of the song. We thought, these are theater songs already, and now we just have to make sure we don't mess it up. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> right. but that, and that is the pressure. That is the pressure. But um, but I got into this business because I wanted to take on great challenges. I wanted to be in the room with people I admire and revere. Um, and I want to keep trying to reinvent myself. I don't want to repeat. These musicals, as well as all the musicals I've worked in, have, have presented enormous challenges for me that that felt fulfilling and exciting to try. And, um, and, and that's what I want to keep doing going forward. Well, and to get to see especially from someone who comes from the pop side of things, to see these get completely new lives like this. I mean, it is, it's it's fascinating to go that this has just extended that art another, how many years, to a whole other audience that's going to now go back and get the record. And that's great. And that's wonderful for the artist too, to create something yeah, yeah. that doesn't just need them to tour it. Now they can right. sit in the audience with other people and experience other people bringing it to life. And I think that's, I could tell when Green Day watched the show for the first time, how special that was to see Green Day coming at them and and and, and right. getting that material in a, in a totally different way. But, you know, for me, one of the musicals that will start up again is, is Flying Over Sunset right. at Lincoln Center, which is a completely different um, sensibility than any of that. And I think, I think it's, it's maybe next to normal, parts of next to normal, but it's really a new type of score. So again, I just want to keep doing things um, that feel exciting and that are challenging. Yeah. Well, we're nearing the end, and so now we're at the part everybody loves. Lightning round. The, the lightning round. So we're going to reach in the hat, and it's just a word association. Just go, go with the, uh, oh, this is a perfect one. What movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? Sounds like <laughs> a just for you. What movie would you love to do? What movie would I love to do as a musical? Um... God, I've I've done I've done some that I that that were really. Um, I'll stay in camera world and say I would love to do singles. Oh, very good. I want you to do Die Hard. I think that's waiting for you. I can do Die Hard. There you, you go. You can do right. musical for any movie. The question is, should you? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's it would be it'd be fantastic. I, okay, we're gonna be partners on that one. Um, what was the first record you bought with your own money? First record I bought with my own money. Uh, I would say Born to Run. Good one. Uh, best piece of advice you ever got? Definitely Hal Prince. Uh, and I, uh, it's famous advice, um, but it's always take a meeting on your next show the morning after your current show opens. What's one musical you wish you had written? There are a lot of musicals I wish I'd written. You only get one. Uh, <laughs> uh, into the woods. woods. Uh, oh, here's one because a song you wish you wrote. Is there a song out there? Any any medium? Any song I wish I had written. Any song. Um, I'll say that I, I wish I'd written Jungle Land. Okay, good one. You are a New Yorker. You're an East Coaster. Uh, <laughs> what was your first concert, or do I already know the answer to that? Oh, okay. There you go. Where was it? Uh, NASA Coliseum Stormfront Tour. Um, let's see. Uh, favorite instrument that you can't play? 
guitar. What do you normally do? You normally write uh, piano, or do you normally write in your brain? Piano. I I, uh, I got a wonderful education in guitar writing when I orchestrated High Fidelity with Alex Lacamoire, um, and so I feel like now I know the way the instrument speaks. I mean, I've always known, but I can actually write more specifically for it rather than just writing rhythm or slash notation. And then I'll say to the guitarist, if any of this is unplayable, just let me know. <laughs> but you know what I'm going for, at least. You can tell by my voicings what I'm what I'm trying for. But someday, that was another thing in, in pandemic. I said, I'm going to pick up the guitar and I, I'm going to come out of this a, a bona fide guitar player. Well, I was going to say, and, and again, referencing just the three ones we talked about, all sort of guitar-based uh, projects. Yeah. Yes. Would help. All right. But so, I got my Logic guitar uh, samples, and that's where okay. that's what I for do. the remainder of the for the remainder of the pandemic. I want you to practice one hour a day on guitar. Okay. <laughs> you do. Uh, what's one book you think everyone should read? I, I think a great read, uh, uh, "The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay." Oh, great book! Fantastic book. And my final question: If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? If you could go anywhere safely on this planet, where would you go? I'd go to Italy. I've had very special times there. That that would be a wonderful place to to soak in, uh, coming out of something and feeling just just beauty and history. Well, as an Italian, I approve. I think. That's <laughs> uh, Tom Kitt, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great talking to you today, and um, Pulitzer Prize winner. And I think we got him to commit to the Die Hard musical. I'm pretty sure I got it on tape. So, I just coming want to soon. Coming soon. Just tickets to the premiere. That's all I ask. I promise you that. Okay. <laughs> You're a good negotiator. may blow you out of the theater. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Tom, thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you, Thank you, everybody. This show was presented by Craft Recordings. Thanks for joining us for Gone in 30 Minutes, produced by Laura Saez. I'm your host, Tom, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>